0: Hello and welcome once again to Cave of the Cross Apologetics. I'm Patrick. And I'm Tony. And we're in our third and a half book uh, <laughs> that uh, we're going to be bringing up uh, for our one shots. <laughs> where we kind of cover one book in one episode. and. Uh, we are used to kind of breaking these down chapter by chapter, and maybe we'll cheat uh, in future episodes, and we'll go back and do these books uh, because each one uh, is is ones that we would recommend, and and so uh, we just wanted to present them to you. And so uh, today we are doing an apologetic one uh, that is uh, kind of one of my favorite series that I've I've read. And this is my favorite one in the series. Mm-hmm. It's uh, five views on apologetics uh, from the Counterpoint series.
1: All right, so this Counterpoint series is a really so good, good series. Yeah. yeah. So what they do there is they uh, they give counterpoints with regard to the various um, controversial, we might even say, but not necessarily controversial, yeah. but these various issues. So this one is on apologetics, and what they do is they line up people on that have various positions that are different on these. The person gives their position, right, and then the other. Other folks who don't agree with it kind of critique their position, <laughs> and then the uh, then then the original person comes back and kind of uh, attempts to respond yeah. to that. And so each position is laid out like this basically three times, right? Mm-hmm. In the original giving of the position, in the critique of the position, and then in response to these various critiques. Yeah. So this is, this Counterpoint theory, uh, series does this with various uh, uh, types of topics, and it's a really, really good series. Yeah, from the longer ending of Mark to uh,
0: discussions on hell to um, types of Christian philosophy that we did that was really interesting. Um, you know, Eastern Orthodox versus Western Orthodox Church, um, there, there's there's a lot uh, the the uh, what what about the Lord's Supper um, th- there's just a lot of good stuff in this series and and I think a lot of people will find this really interesting because um, you can take kind of your approach that you like and kind of read through that but then go back and try and take another approach mm-hmm. and say mm-hmm. okay let, let me pretend to, to hold this point of view and see if I can critique not only my own but the one that I'm I'm, uh, you know, saying that I'm representing here. Mm-hmm. So there's just a, a number of different <clears throat> ways to, to read this. And, and it explain. gives
1: you a wide perspective. And so you can choose then based on these various arguments and presentations, yeah. which one you feel is closer to what you believe is, yeah. is, is what's going right. on with these various topics. Yeah.
0: And and so with this one, uh, let me just kind of give a, a brief overview. And I think the, the authors that they, they brought in are the ones at this time, you, you kind of want—I yeah. mean, so, this, so this the, was our first our first Counterpoint series, and it was like, okay, you know, we, we got to read more because <laughs> if, if these are the type of people you're bringing in to, to kind of butt heads with each other, these are the people that you want.
1: By the way, the they here is Stanley uh, Guntry and Steve Cohen. Yeah, these are the editors, editors, editors yeah. of this book. Yeah. Yeah.
0: So the, the goal of Apologetics <clears throat> is to persuasively answer honest objections that keep people from the faith in Jesus Christ, but of— several apologetic approaches, which is the most effective? Five Views of Apologetics examines the how-to of apologetics, putting five prominent views under the microscope. The classical, William Lane Craig, evidential, Gary Habermas, presuppositional, John Frame, reformist epistemology, uh, Kelly Clark, and cumulative, uh Feinberg. I forget. Uh, Paul, Paul, Fein. Paul, Paul, Paul Feinberg. Yeah. Uh, offering a forum for presentation, critique, and defense, this book allows the contra- contributors for uh, for the different viewpoints to interact like no other book five views of apologetics lets you compare and contrast different ways of doing apologetics
1: yeah so notice this book is about not about apologetics per se but about apologetic methodology right what method is the uh, most effective way to do apologetics right yeah apologetics as we know has to do with the defending or making a case for the truth of the Christian faith, and apologetics seeks to accomplish its goal. Our authors tell us in two ways. One is by refuting objections to the Christian faith, mm-hmm. right? Like, for instance, the problem of evil and that sort mm-hmm. of thing, and um, and that can be called, they suggest, defensive apologetics. And the second way they say is by offering reasons for the Christian faith, and they call this. Offensive apologetics. Now, I might suggest that there is a third thing that apologetics does, and it refutes positions that have contrary worldviews. I'm not sure mm-hmm. how we can characterize that, but I think that's a way of doing apologetics too. Mm-hmm. And actually, that's more closer to what the presuppositionalist uh, position does. Yeah, right? yeah.
0: yeah. And, and I, <coughs> I think this book, uh, when when you read it with that in mind. Um, none of the other author, uh, uh, writers touch on it the way that Frame does with presuppositional me- method, and it's it's one of those things that looking through our notes from that book, it, we we kept constantly going. Okay, but you got to take a step back and, yeah. and figure out yeah. what why why are you able yeah. to offer that defense? Yeah, so.
1: you're given you're giving the unbeliever too much. Yeah, yeah right. <laughs> yeah. No, don't let them have that. You know, for you know, deal with them with regard to this issue.
0: <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, so let me just break down real quickly the the. Uh, five views here and uh, it's uh, William Lynn Craig with the classical which is his uh, standard two-step approach which is to establish a kind of deism, general deism, and from there you present Jesus and the resurrection and the historical, historical Jesus um, that, that moves people to from deism to um, Christianity.
1: Yeah. Now, Craig would probably say he's trying to establish theism, right? Uh, right. I'm sorry. Deism, yep, not yeah, not deism. Deism would
0: be incorrect. Yeah. <laughs> Yes, theism. Uh, then uh, evidentialism from uh, Habermas uh, is, is the uh, kind of minimal facts of the resurrection. Uh, so concentrate on the resurrection, the historicity, kind of the uh, what what can we all agree on for both uh, believer and unbeliever of, of, of the uh, historical uh, facts that uh, that kind of lead us to the conclusion that jesus was resurrected
1: yeah so with william lane craig's approach the classical method right after he establishes that god has been shown then there's a presentation of the historical evidences mm-hmm. of the deity of christ or the trustworthy of scriptures or uh, scripture uh to show that christianity is the best version of theism so as you mentioned this is a two-step approach and we might call this a deductive approach so in um uh, in logic, there are various kinds of arguments, many kinds of arguments, but they can basically be broken down into two or three major kinds, deductive, inductive, and some folks include abductive as a third <laughs> different kind of argument. And so we might say that Craig's approach is more deductive. He uses the natural theology, mm-hmm. which, which are some of the classical arguments for the existence right. of God, like, Kalam. The, like yeah. the Kalam uh, cosmological argument, you know, and that sort of thing. So these are some classical natural theology has to do with moving from nature to God, right? Based on what we see in the world, we can uh, then move from there to God, yeah. right?
0: And if you watch lectures <laughs> from Craig, if you see the one, two, three, the, the uh, premise 1, premise 2, Therefore, conclusion, um, that, that's what Tony's talking about as far as deductive. He, he says, you know, you may disagree with me on the, the premise, but you have to say given premise one and premise two, it is therefore necessary that pre- right. the, the conclusion
1: uh, is, is true. Right. So deductive has to do, the, the form of the argument is such that if the premises are true, then they force the conclusion right. to be true. Yeah. And, you know, logicians have, folks who study logic have uh, uh, named actually various form deductive forms and that sort of thing, mm-hmm. and so that's uh, you know we we won't get into formal logic, but uh, <laughs> it's kind of interesting. Uh, and then with regard to Habermas's view, the evidential method, as you mentioned, this method characterizes the we might call one step approach. Right? Yeah. Right, he uses... Not a good dance. Yeah. That's right. (laughs) (laughs) So he tends to focus on the legitimacy of accumulating various historical and other, notice, inductive arguments for the truth of Christianity. So we might call this an an inductive Mm -hmm. approach, right? With induction, then, you look at all of these various truths and you make an inference, usually with regard to probability, Right. So deduction says that, you know, if these are true, then this necessarily has to be true. Induction says that if these premises are true, premises are reasons for the argument, right, for the conclusion. If these reasons for the conclusion are true, says the folks who is doing inductive, then probably the right. conclusion is true. Yeah. So the, it's the nature of the inference that determines deduction from induction. In deduction, the nature is necessary, necessity. In induction, the nature of the inference from the premises to the conclusion is probable, mm-hmm. probability. And, of course, the higher the probability, the better the argument, that sort of thing. Right. right?
0: And then the Cumulative by Feinberg is kind of the um, – kind of what I call the shotgun approach. It's mm-hmm. the uh, – I think the book talks about you. you have – uh, different buckets with holes drilled <laughs> into them. And it's all about, and, and you f- fill everything up with water, and you, if you put everything in your first bucket, it's all going to go out that hole. So you put another bucket in, and you kind of turn it, and it'll leak less, and the more kind of buckets you have, um, it's kind of this this. Uh, cumulative case of both the classical and the uh, evidential points of view
1: right kind of so so this uh, this kind of argument pieces together several lines or types of data into a sort of hypothesis or theory that comprehensively explains the data and does so better than any alternative hypothesis, right? Uh, so the data that this method seeks to explain include the existence and nature of the cosmos, the reality of religious experience, the objectivity of morality, and certain historical facts, such as the resurrection of Jesus. So we might call this um, the, uh, an abductive approach or inference to the best explanation, right? What is the best explanation for these various pieces of data? And uh, in this cumulative approach, we would say, well, you know, that God exists and that Jesus Christ is who he says he is and that sort of thing. So this is, you know, some folks would say this is kind of like a scientific method, abduction, right, where you posit a hypothesis and then you look at evidences for that hypothesis uh, to determine if it's good or, or not. And then you hold to it if it's good and, of course, you throw it out if it's right. not. Yeah, the right. falsification model.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's the everything in the kitchen sink. You just uh, throw it all in. Mm-hmm. Uh, then, of course, uh, a little-known one called presuppositionalism uh, <laughs> by by John Frame. And again, all these guys are are just kind of powerhouses in in their form. It's just it's worth the price just to see all these people interact, yeah. and especially someone like William Lane Craig who tends to never really interact with other christians this this is a rare for him mm. so uh presupposition of course uh says uh our, our worldview informs evidence and so uh when when we talk about um evidential claims for either a, a positive uh, or a, a, a offensive or a defensive um we have to figure out um where our ultimate standard is how we how we know what we know the the Um, the worldview in which uh, we make sense of things, you know, uh, if uh, referring to our last book, is naturalism, is is nature all that there is, or is supernaturalism possible? Mm -hmm. And so it's it's, uh, like um, uh, C.S. Lewis's miracles claim is I can never prove to you what a miracle is if you don't uh, at least grant me the fact that miracles are possible because mm-hmm. if your world se- if your worldview says there's no such thing as the supernatural and miracles can't happen then show me the resurrection of Jesus well i can't ever show that to you right. even if right. you know Jesus happened to walk out of the tomb and smack you on the, the top of the head
1: yeah so the idea here is that the presuppositionalistness attempt to argue what we might call transcendentally
0: mm-hmm. right
1: uh, they ask the question, what has to be true in order for certain things to be meaningful and uh, knowledgeable, for us to have knowledge and that sort of thing. Uh, all meaning and thought they suggest here. Indeed, every little fact logically presupposes the God of Scriptures. And so by demonstrating that unbelievers cannot argue, think, think, or even live without presupposing God. Presuppositionists try to show unbelievers that their worldview, that is, the unbeliever's worldview, is inadequate to explain their experience of the world, and they try to get unbelievers to see that Christianity alone can make sense of their experience, right? And so, what has to be the case for morality to be objective and exist, right? <clears throat> and the presuppositionists ask asked those types of questions. Well, from a naturalistic worldview where nature is all that exists, mm-hmm. then one would—we could argue, and we saw this uh, in um, one of the earlier books that we looked at, uh, that um, uh, morality is either what anybody thinks or maybe tries to—a uh, culture thinks, but it really results in meaninglessness, right? That it, it can't— um, the the naturalistic worldview can't sustain a morality that allows for morality to really exist. And so you press the unbeliever with regard to their worldview and show the inadequacy of the unbeliever's worldview. That's really the approach that presuppositionists are are trying to do. So most of the time presuppositionists Are criticized because well you're making an assumption that God exists and that's a circular argument (laughs) right and the idea here is well we all have basic assumptions right Uh, you're making an assumption that reason works why are you making that assumption and why does reason work yeah right don't let the unbeliever get away with just uh, allowing them to have reason we want to know why that they have uh, that reason exists what is it why it works and uh, why it exists and why it works Mm -hmm. right before you begin to use it, because our claim is that God, that's the reason is how God thinks, Mm -hmm. right? What is your reason for reason, right? (laughs) Right. That sort of thing. Morality. Why does morality exist and what is it, right? Well, again, as I mentioned here, you can't have it, we would suggest, in the presuppositions. In fact, most of these men would argue that it's meaningless in a naturalistic worldview. Mm -hmm. I would even suggest that many of these men when they're arguing, for instance, for the nature of morality, yep. are using a presuppositionless approach, yeah. and probably aren't even aware of it.
0: Uh, Craig at least has one lecture online where he says that uh, when it comes to morality, God is properly basic. So mm-hmm. it mm-hmm. means that he's that he's to to have the starting assumption that God exists, and and from there uh, that that um, moral claims are are properly basic that that you can make moral claims that mm. morality is a thing that we know because it's so ingrained in us that to assume the opposite you need more evidence kind of to 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 explain away
1: yeah
0: w- what it is
1: the the idea of uh, science <clears throat> and induction right why is it <laughs> right. that induction uh is we believe it's true and that it happens. Well, does the unbeliever, unbelieving naturalist have a good explanation for induction? Clearly not, right? That's what we call the problem of induction. Right, there, yeah. you know, our good friend David Hume, Hume. Po- pointed out to us, right? Thanks, Hume. Yeah. <laughs> well, the believer has has an answer to that, mm-hmm. right? Induction is how God has set up His, how God has set up the world. He's promised uh, in Genesis chapter nine that it would, as long as the world existed, we would have these types of. Uh, 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 he doesn't, he doesn't say this specifically, but we would have these various uh, you know, laws of science and that the world would continue to exist the way that it does, right? But again, the unbeliever has no answer to why induction works, right. right? All they can say is, well, we know that it works, right? Or this is just the way things are. It's a brute fact. That's fine, but that's not an argument, mm-hmm. right? So the presuppositionalist, again, does this transcendental questioning, What has to be the case for induction to work, right? And the unbeliever, we would suggest, as we press them on their worldview, does not have an answer to that. And so if you're arguing with an unbeliever, we would suggest—the presuppositionists would suggest—and they begin to give you um, scientific laws— And you accept those, we would suggest that you're doing, you're you're letting them get away with too much. Mm -hmm. We need to challenge them with regard to their worldview and how scientific laws work within their worldview. That's what the presuppositionist does. So, you know, again, you know, people say, well, it's circular. Well, maybe, but all, you know, um, uh, basic ultimate um, positions, you know, are, you have to start somewhere. Right. And the presuppositionalist says we start with the God of the scriptures. Mm. Right.
0: <clears throat> and then finally, uh, the, the uh, reformed epistemology by Clark uh, kind of has a uh, no positive evidence to make you a Christian, which <clears throat> right, true. Uh, but the, 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 uh, he offers no kind of positive evidence, but uh, you kind of strike down anything that's a claim against Christianity and. You leave the other person with no arrows in their quiver and therefore they just have to then come to accept Christianity or be devoid of any explanation for anything.
1: Yeah, so the idea here is, um, you know, um, um, that it's perfectly reasonable for a person to believe many things without evidence, Mm -hmm. right? Most of us believe, in fact, I would say everyone believes that... um, um, uh, that, our, that the earth just didn't, or our reality existence, we just didn't pop into existence five minutes ago with all of our memories intact. Yeah. We don't believe that. Most of us believe that right now, probably as you're listening to this, um, uh, this show, that you're not dreaming. You know, but again, how we believe that, most of us believe that our memories are reliable. Most of us believe that other people have minds, right? Yeah. And so this reformed epistemology says that there's lots of things that people believe without evidence, and they argue that the existence of God is one of those. They mm-hmm. call this a properly basic Mm believe, right? And so just as we believe in the general reliability of our sense experience, uh, the general reliability of our memories, and these types of things, um, uh, we can hold that God's existence is properly basic like these other things, right? So we have various, as as you've noted now, these five views. We have a deductive view that focuses mainly on deductive arguments. Uh, which is the classical method of Craig and others. We have the evidential view that is an inductive, we would suggest, type of view that Habermas has. Feinberg's, we suggested, is a, an abductive or entrance to the best explanation. Presuppositionalist method is the transcendental view, right? Mm-hmm. We ask these various questions what has to be the case for this to be true? And then the reformed epistemology, um, we might say, is a properly basic view, right? They argue that belief in God does not require the support of evidence or argument in order for it to be rational. They focus on defensive apologetics as challenges to one's theistic belief are encountered. So that's kind of the the position that the reform epistemologist takes. And Kelly Clark is the one who holds this position in the five views on apologetics.
0: Although uh, Craig Craig is, uh, is... uh kind of in love with uh <laughs> with his mentor uh with, Plantica, yeah, Plantica, yeah right yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and so uh, Plantica kind of holds that is is you you hold something and then uh there are certain defeaters that um kind of uh, at some point you give up your understanding so uh a random person walks up to you and says, hey, your wife is cheating on you and walks away. Well, th- then you automatically have to assume your wife is cheating on you. Well, no, that's just some random person that came up to you. So, uh, you know, are, are you warranted in, in, in removing, or is, is that properly basic belief that your wife is faithful, um, that, uh, that uh, it has been thoroughly defeated? <laughs> well, probably not. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so overall, the, the book, well laid out. It's it's interesting. Yeah. Sometimes it gets lost in the weeds a little bit. Mm. It seems like certain people have um, more personality in there than than arguments. But at the same time, it seems like a lot of them don't uh, define things as well as what we would like. So having a, a, a definition of what constitutes evidence uh, uh, just a definition of evidence is kind of lacking here Mm, mm. and so it would be nice for them to to Mm. have maybe even at the beginning the 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 editors to have agreed upon definitions of of what is evidence because the way a presuppositionalist will say evidence is different than what a classical or evidential Mm. uh um, method uh, approach person is and so um those are things that could have added to the benefit, but by and far, the, this is a well-done a well, a well done book. It gives you
1: a really good perspective on these various <clears throat> views, yeah. and they, they are done by people, obviously, who hold to that particular views. The critiques of the views are very helpful it's as very, well. Very, yeah. Uh, because now you see some of the problems, and then the, these folks attempt to respond to these various critiques mm-hmm. of these reviews.
0: So, yeah. yeah. I, I will say that uh, Craig is the one that t- tends to be a little bit more on the heady side. He brings in this... Uh, uh, probability calculation <laughs> that uh I mean I, I'm I'm pretty good at algebra, but that was that was a, a rough one. Um but it was interesting too because I went in thinking I'm gonna read Craig. He's gonna do the Kalam argument. But it it's not it's not that. It's it's his method. And mm. what was interesting to me is how quickly not only craig but all the authors brought in the role of the holy spirit yeah. and and that's that's something that you kind of don't find when when they're out in the world talking about uh you know minimal facts but yeah. they, they, they they talk about how important the holy spirit is and in fact one of craig's main points is kind of knowing versus showing mm-hmm. um and and so that, that that's definitely a a point that that you come across and you you have to deal with and um I, th- I think again, each person is is probably the best picked. At, at this time and this place to to cover their, their yeah. subject.
1: And and I'm, I'm, I should say that my characterizations of these positions are really, really general. Oh, yeah. Because yeah. clearly Craig uses deductive, inductive arguments, all kinds of arguments yeah. to make his claim. E- even and,
0: Frame, too, yeah, will yeah. we'll say, you know, it's that, that oh, you, you just assume God and you attack worldview, attack worldview. But uh, Frame, and he's been critiqued even by the late Greg Bonson in, yeah. in the uh, – the uh, uh, presuppositional apologetics—I believe—is his, his unpublished last book. Yeah. Uh, John Frame was actually critiqued. Well, it's published book. now, but it We're was
1: unpublished yeah. b- before he passed. Right. right. Yeah.
0: He's critiqued in it, but uh, Frame has even said that he, you know he, you're not opposed to using evidence. Which um, uh, is when we when I interviewed uh, Dr. Jason Lyle, he also agrees. Especially as an astrophysicist, it's not that you're against evidence, it's what constitutes as evidence, and can you have a basis for saying that anything is, is evidence for your position. Yeah. You need to establish what that is, and again, having having a definition of what evidence is would have been an interesting um, discussion in and of itself. Yeah. Um, Habermas, uh, I, I think, uh, could have added a little bit more to the discussion. Um, he he tends to let more of his personality ring, ring in, into his writing, um, and, uh, I think Feinberg does a, a, a decent job, although I think he kind of gets lost in, in figuring out who, who to argue against. And the, the one that, that I was really hoping for more was Clark. Mm-hmm. Clark, I, I was, I was really interested to see from his perspective and he kind of just kind of just stays there and he does, he does, a. uh, kind of a negative critique of, of everybody's but when you don't offer a positive critique it's it's like well what what are you kind of doing here yeah, it, it right. seems like you're, you're you're definitely the odd man out in in, in this approach and um, you can kind of break them up because classical evidential and cumulative case are kind of physical evidence it's it's you know a, a probability or logic or um, or both and then presuppositional and informed epistemology is Kind of that that transcendental, uh, how do you know what you know? Um, argument. So I, I was expecting more uh, two camps, and really Clark made himself kind of a third camp.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. We would su- I would suggest that the reform epistemology is closer to the presuppositionless pos- uh, yeah. approach yeah. than the others clearly are. Right. right? Yeah. <clears throat> All right. So this one it was uh, this again a good book a good series. We would suggest that uh, you, you know you look at uh, these uh, look at these various topics and uh, any of these books on these topics. It seems like at least the ones that we've seen right. are uh, are really good in terms of helping us to see uh, the positions and get get a feel for how they are argued for. Right.
0: And here's our half book. Yeah. Our half book is if you find that interesting and you want a full, kind of complete, one of the best books that we've read on th- what we've just discussed, the different types of schools of thought, the people that that, uh, that have uh, argued for that, the positives, the negatives, uh, laid out in a very fair one. Faith Has Its Reasons is a book that you should pick up because uh, we went through it, and this one took us just meeting normally, I think, almost over half a year yeah. to, to go through it. And just, it's it's so well laid out. Uh, Kenneth Boa and Robert Bowman Jr. Faith has its reason an integrative uh, interrogative approach to defending Christianity. Mm-hmm. It does the, here's the different schools of thought. Here's who argues for it within uh, kind of church history. Um, here are their, their claims uh, both uh, the positive claims and negative claims. Here's the, the pros for what the authors believe that they bring to the table. Here's some of the negatives that they believe that bring to the table. Here's some of the critiques for that. And then ultimately they have an approach that they want to bolster to say, okay, out of these, I, I believe there's there's five main ones um, uh, within it. Uh, right. Uh, so what is apologetics? Classical approach. Uh, the... The evidentialist approach, the reformed apologetics, uh, the fetus approach, and the integrative, which is, is their own, um, is, is what they're um, bringing in. And so uh, it's it's a dense book, and it's one of those that you don't have to read it all the way through like we did, but we're, you know, nerds in that respect. <laughs> um, but it's, it's, it's really good to see. Okay, Martin Luther argued for this. John Calvin argued for this. You know, uh, Here's William Lane Craig. And um, there's kind of some of our disagreements within it of who should be kind of in what camp. And it seems uh, like uh, they may, may have drawn distinctions that we wouldn't have. Um, but it was really, really well done and yeah. really weighed out. Yeah. And so five years on apologetics is, is all you need. But if you want want to know more, it's uh, the Reading Rainbow. If you yeah. want to know more, <laughs> go check out your local library. Faith has its reasons. Yeah, uh, it, it's it's a great a great thing, and uh, Tony got it for me for free, and so I appreciate it even more because uh, I didn't have to pay for it. Um, it's so good. five years on Apologetics, great. Uh, recommend it. Recommend this, the the this series. Uh, within Counterpoint, there are there are ones that you like, there are ones that you don't like as much, um, but it gets people on different sides talking and exposes you to views that you might not have even uh, wanted to even uh, understand. Yeah. Um, and then faith has its reasons uh, just reading through it. it, it, it this one isn't, um, it, it's, it's academic, but it's not, it's, it's more of kind of a history book at, of sorts, but yeah. with, within, once it gets past the, the history, um, and, and laying out what, what the claims are, um, that's when it kind of gets a little bit more of a, um, you gotta, you gotta look through what, what is being claimed. Yeah. And so like the negatives for presuppositional
1: method, uh, I didn't view of the, the negatives as that, <laughs> that big a negative. So, so yeah, uh, so the, the and, and what <laughs> makes it, uh, it so it's somewhat academic, but not really, what makes it really, uh, easy to understand is they follow the same format with right, each of yeah. the uh, positions yeah. and so once you understand the format and then you can make these various comparisons it's not really a difficult book mm-hmm. right it's a lot of material a lot of material it's, it's what is. about an inch thick or something like uh, that
0: or yeah. more an inch it's and a, a half good doorstop yeah <laughs>
1: <laughs> but it's a really
0: really yeah. good book and yeah. publishers Put put footnotes at the bottom of the page, not at the back of the book, <laughs> bottom of the page, and I will read all the footnotes possible. Yeah. So please do so. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, that's our one shots. Uh, let us know what you think. Uh, you know, or, or is there any of these three and a half that uh, you view as interesting? Do you want to see more? Wh- what uh, what different uh, fields uh, would you like to see? Um, and uh, uh, I don't know. Just leave us random comments about. Um, Whose tie you like better, mine or Tony's? <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, next time uh, we'll, we'll do a, um, a video for what book we're going to do next that gives you enough time to uh, get the book if you want to do it with us. And um, that will come out uh, before we do our next episode. So uh, stay tuned and yeah. then you'll see us.
1: See you next time. All right, thanks.